authenticity is the true a sense of influencer marketing if you are not authentic people are not going to believe us and also like as an influencer i know that i wouldn't want to put name on something i don't believe in b2b has the potential to be electrifying but the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas it's time for change it's time to make b2b marketing visceral Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, the provocative truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Archna Danka, who is Senior Director, Global Demand Generation at Sutherland. Archna, a very, very warm welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you, Benedict, for having me here. It's um, a great pleasure talking to you. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, look, I've given a brief introduction to you, uh, which I'm sure doesn't tell in even half of this, the story. So before we jump into the conversation and for the purposes of those people that are tuning in that aren't familiar, um, floor is yours if you want to give a brief introduction to who you are and what you're all about. Sure. Thank you. So I've been in marketing for almost two decades now. Currently, as you said, working in global demand generation function, but I have started as a digital marketer back 20 years when there was no courses on digital marketing or on SEO. And for last, for the purpose of this podcast, for last 12 years, I've also been an influencer on Instagram and I've done my uh, MBA thesis and dissertation on influencer marketing on how brands can actually scale it. Fantastic. Um, which makes you an unbelievably qualified person <laughs> to talk about what we're going to be sort of talking about today. Um, and that is influencer marketing, um, but influencer marketing specifically within the context of B2B. Because I think that if we think about influencer marketing, I think our automatic uh, sort of assumption are people going on luxury holidays on Instagram, maybe doing an unboxing or whatever it might be on that sort of consumer side of social media. What we perhaps don't think of is influence marketing within the context of B2B. And actually, I think that is really, really remiss of us because certainly if we think about the importance of thought leadership within the context of B2B, having people that are key opinion leaders that can influence your target audience and persuade them possibly around what you are doing is invaluable. But from my observations, it doesn't really happen. Now, and I'm not quite sure why it doesn't happen. Is it because it's too hard to, to get off the ground? Is it because people don't believe in the concept? I'm not sure. But the provocative truth that I want to serve to you is that B2B don't understand the power of influencer marketing and really are failing to take um, advantage of its potential. Is that something that you agree with, given your pedigree within influencer marketing? <laughs> I think I would agree with you. Like I want to say 100%, but I've seen few brands tapping, starting to tap yeah. into it right now, but very limited, like handful I can count on my fingers. Most of the time, uh, marketers and even, you know, people who are you're in charge of the purse strings don't understand the value of influencer marketing and the way it has grown today it is it has been tied together with like beauty fashion industry luxury mm. holidays so uh, we are not going we are not uh, willing to take risk in our industry that's the, that's where we are like we are we're, st- we're trying to play safe and the safe is the true and tested methods that we've got in our marketing um, kit with us Uh, I think overall influence has been there always, right? Like we've been influenced when we were kids, when social media didn't exist. The only difference now is that with the the advent of social media, 
there are a lot more influences and people are not just looking at leaders and you know celebrities to gain that influence but also their friends what they are talking about and also their peers so i mean you talk there about the business not really understanding the value and i think that potentially it's almost a step back isn't it not even understanding the the concept so to help us just in framing this this conversation um how would you sort of describe what influencer marketing looks like in b2b i think in in uh, influencer marketing in b2b uh, in traditional form would have been analysts right like you would go to analysts and talk about mm-hmm. uh, your products but it is beyond analysts today it could be your employees it could be customers it could also be potential customers and also other users of the product so it's about making that whole awareness piece using the social media and the different channels that the brands would have within their kit and generating enough awareness and buzz so that people start to understand what the brand is about it's about educating people uh you don't have to look at really top level influencers you know in b2b space people with even 1500 followers can be great influencers for the brands so it's about understanding the customer what their pain points are who they are listening to who they are talking to and then figuring out their influencers and you know what you've done there is i think you've very systematically broken down almost how it works but i think when you've broken it down you actually start to realize the scale of the task in terms of being able to firstly identify who's influential then being able to quantify that influence and then in turn being able to say okay well these are the messages that we need to push out so yeah. from your experience of starting an influencer program what are the steps that you you go through and you know what's involved with actually designing an influencer program and getting it off the ground yeah i think with any marketing campaign right like the way you would do is start with the objective like what are you trying to achieve yeah. i cannot put all my objectives in one basket and say that influencer marketing or one particular campaign can be the solution for all the pains of the marketing team and the sales team but yeah if you understand the objective based on that we can go and select the audience that we are trying to target and versus whether you are trying to build awareness or build pipelines so influencer marketing can be used for pipeline generation right at the end of the stage yep. of purchase buying as well so understanding that would mean you would serve different type of content and engage with different influencers so when i've done influencer marketing what i've looked at is a tiered structure of engaging with one big influencer with a key level content and then going with like smaller influencers at mm. the same time so it's a, it's an easier expand and it's scalable at that point i think brands think that influencer marketing is a bigger lift just like you just said right now and because of that they're also scared with lack of resources to allocate mm-hmm. and scale that program how do you go about just even identififying who is the the right people and also, i'm going to pick up on later in terms of influencing the bottom of the funnel because that's not something that i'd properly appreciate but let, let's start with how do you go about um identifying who is the most appropriate person to be be that that big hero influencer that you described so i think big hero uh, when i last time i did my influencer campaign we said we'll use even different type of content for yeah. for an influencer campaign so you know micro stroke nano influencers mm-hmm. are the people who have smaller reach versus what we call as hero influencer in a b2c world could have a million plus reach maybe in a b2b world would only have 100k plus reach right yeah. so you would look at who that person is so for example in marketing i could talk about people that marketers are following and listening to so thinking about you know in bdu in an seo space maybe neil patel would be a great influencer i'm just hypothetically talking about it 
but in uh, it could also be other CMOs or other speakers who are like very vocal about things, getting them to like talk about your services, working with them. Most of the bigger influencers, even in B2B space, might be working through an agency, right? If you go to a strategy builder, mm-hmm. they would have their own understanding of how they would want to engage with you. So you'd have to be a bit flexible when you're working with hero influencers, similar to how you would do it in a B2C space. And then with B2C, uh, the smaller influencers, which you are trying to pick up, that's where you look at like specific content outreach, uh, working with them on, you know, sharing your content that you've created or giving them some leeway of giving feedback and reviews on that content. That can only happen like the feedback and the reviews part can only happen when the brand is really confident on their product, on their messaging and on their content as well. So that's that's the reason that's how you scale and select influencer. Also, there are lit, there are a lot of channels out there. There are smaller agencies who help you select influencers if a brand is struggling with resources internally. I've used some agencies as well in past, and I have used platforms where you can look at influencers and search based on the criteria and the personas that you're looking for. And the slightly, I suppose, uncomfortable question that I, I, I suppose I have to ask is when we're looking at it with the consumer uh, side of things, um, there's a bit of a quid pro quo. You know, if I'm getting a free holiday, I'm going to be willing to talk about it. If I'm getting a, a handbag, um, if that's what I was, was after, maybe I'll talk about that handbag. Mm-hmm. But within B2B, it doesn't quite work the same in terms of that sort of value exchange. So. What, what what does the value exchange look like? Do you have to pay influencers? Is that just a reality that we need to accept as B2B marketers? Okay, so I think that's a very, very good question. Even I was thinking about it a couple of days back. And the reality is when it comes to B2B, B2C marketing is easier because there's a lot more influencers, right? Like mm-hmm. we know that given the influencer marketing has grown as an industry to now 22 billion last year was like the stat. So there's a lot more people who have jumped into this, which means the influencers are sometimes like the micro and the nano influencers are actually reaching out to brands, right? When I've Mm -hmm. seen like, you know, I've talked to my colleagues and my friends and they're like, yeah, we get a lot of outreach from influencers who want to work with us on product uh, exchange. Mm -hmm. And that's great for B2C brands. Doesn't happen with B2B. That's where it's slightly different. The influencers are not going to reach out to you and say, by the way, I am interested in talking about your product. They're also going to be in a very niche and specific sector. So there'll be only very limited and handful influencers that you can find. So it's going to be really important for the brands to be able to build that relationship. What I've though seen is that some of the brands have been able to turn this around, like without paying, by mm. creating amazing content. You know, yeah. the content and the education piece is so much more important in B2B that people are willing to talk about their content and their brand without even being paid. Now that is where, you know, the quid pro quo doesn't even need to happen. Because the content and, you know, the value prop and yeah. messaging is so on point that I'm going to put my name out there even without brand knowing about it. Yeah, I think an important dimension of when we're talking around sort of content is this idea of editorial control. And look, I'm, I'm in no way an expert on influencer influencer marketing, so I'll take, I'll take your steer on it. But I would imagine that one of the, the big problems that brands have, and it'd be the same as if they're doing sponsored content, is they try to have too much editorial control. They try to dictate what is being said. And that actually pisses off the influencer for a start, but also really compromises the quality of the content and the willingness, therefore, of the influencer to engage. So from your experience, what, what advice would you give to brands about what is that right level of editorial control you should give an influencer? Yes, I think so. I was actually I 
I have just literally started doing like an influencer marketing series on my Instagram channel for yeah. SMB brands. And one of the threads that I did in my research, which I'm pulling through, uh, and you must have heard of it before, is authenticity, right? When mm-hmm. brand mm-hmm. briefs, even in B2C, are very, very strict, it is a struggle to like stick to them and, you know, deliver on that. And most of the time what I've seen is when brands are like very, very controlling on their editorial side it becomes like it is not creative enough and mm-hmm. then it's going to be looking it's going to start looking the same as a branded content and that's yes. what you don't want right you want the influencer content to stand out for the influencer rather than to start looking as your own brand content because then people are going to not trust that content either so i think it's very important to have a set of editorial guidelines 100% and then based on what level you are engaging with on influencer sometimes it's just shares right you want like a lot more like organic shares great probably doesn't need to be like looked at you are giving them a vote that they're resharing but if you're working with a mid tier influencer you might want to give them a bit of leeway on you know having their own take on it at that point yeah. with some editorial guidelines but not caging them so much because again authenticity is the true a sense of influencer marketing if you're not authentic people are not going to believe us and also like as an influencer i know that i wouldn't want to put name on something i don't believe in so yeah. there you go and on the subject of authenticity i mean it, I, I, I suppose it's not necessarily compromising authenticity but do, do you ever put paid support behind their posts <laughs> boost boost their posts with paid support or is that compromising the rules of truly authentic influencer marketing uh, i think brands are i think with different channels now brands can boost content posts so that has happened with me um, massive, many many times when brands have loved the content they've just gone ahead and taken that content and boosted themselves which is which is great if they want to do that well i mean i'm going to be very intrigued after this to actually check out your instagrams and the various other channels that you're you're promoting through and see influencer marketing uh, in action um so look, I think we've got a really good understanding probably about the, the clearly the value I think is implicit in terms of influencer marketing, that, that sort of credibility, that access. Um, we've got a bit of an understanding about how we set that up and also what that quid pro quo is, for want of a better word. Um, but I suppose the a big question is, is if you've got an influencer marketing campaign going, how does that integrate with your wider marketing strategy? And what does a successful integrated approach look like? Yes, I think it, in, influencer marketing should not be done standalone, right? It has mm-hmm. to be part of a marketing mix. When I'm creating my marketing campaign, which is, you know, paid social, paid search events, influencer marketing is a part of what message do I want to amplify and where would influencer marketing sit like really well. Mm-hmm. Could be for promoting an event or could be for promoting a webinar or could be for promoting a new product that I've just literally launched with like, you know, great content. Mm-hmm. So based on that, uh, once again, you can, you know, integrate influencer marketing quite well into your into your, your whole marketing campaign or a program plan that you've created. I think that that's how it will also have a better influence and on the ROI, because as yeah. a standalone, the ROI will probably even take a lot longer to materialize, whereas part of a campaign, you probably start to see results faster. I've done, I've, uh, in my previous uh, role, I've used uh, influencer marketing for, a product launch, also for an event launch where, you know, we wanted to take over and create buzz uh, mm-hmm. being in a trade show, which was very, very noisy. So there are many ways to use influencer marketing uh, and social media today to capture that interest of the audience. And do you, do you ever get, um, you know, if you've got a built up a good relationship with a, an influencer 
it's important to have a sort of a co-creative sort of like element to it. But do you ever invite them in to sort of talk about that wider marketing plan, potentially get their their input on that? Or is do you always try and keep a little bit of a division? No, I think uh, brands who are really excelling at that would do that for sure. So mm. like I have seen, you know, I think it generally happens more with tier one influencers, whichever yeah. that number looks like for the industry or the company. But Obviously, if you are engaging with 100 or 200 influencers, you cannot engage with 200 yeah. influencers on a one-to-one level. So where you think that valuable input is needed, you want to have that one-to-one conversation. Uh, always, We've always done a lot of like feedback rounds, just like you would run with like your customers, gaining feedback, i.e. what could we improve next time mm-hmm. you are influencer campaign. You know, not necessarily getting like an NPS score, <laughs> but we do need that candid feedback of what worked, what didn't work. Uh, also, how would they vision their next set of tranche with us? Because that gives us a lot of like creative idea. Remember, like all the influencers mm. are very, very creative. So you have like a set of creativity powerhouse behind you that you're not using if you're not engaging with them. And um, I said earlier that I wanted to pick up on the bottom of the funnel uh, influencing. As I said, the preconception is, well, certainly for, on my part, is that influencers are great at almost helping spread that sort of awareness um, aspect. But you refer to the role that influencers can play further down the funnel. So are you able to just sort of talk me through that and ideally maybe give me sort of an, an, an anecdote of how you've successfully used influencers at that bottom of the funnel? So here's the thing. I am also like I've been in ABM marketing as well. Right. So mm. I do like the stage. I, I, I'm all, I obsess about understanding where my customer is in their journey. And if you can understand and start to think about not at one to one ABM level, but at mm. like one to many or one to few level where you can say, well, basically I have a set of customers from X industry or a segment that I can just niche down into. And at that point, it's easier to use influencer marketing because once you understand what your customer persona, which is in that bottom of the funnel looking like, you could easily look at either working with their competitors, your similar looking profile customers or even speakers to create content that can deliver that end of the funnel conversion point. At that point, you are leveraging the same content that you would have Mm. leveraged for awareness, but to close that funnel. And just to sort of make it real in, in my head, like the type of influence would be, be be using at that sort of level, would it be existing customers that are, can be talking in a very sort of tangible way around the, the product or is it still independent, you know, influencers? What, what, what specifically would it look like? I think at that point, you're probably not looking at just shares, right? Like that's, yeah. that, that part of the content is not being used for sure. Mm-hmm. You, as I said, we need to create content that is tailored to them. So mm-hmm. it could be customers from the similar industry yeah. profile. It could also be independent users or people who are slightly above the tier and, you know, well-known in their industry, which a customer or that that audience set would understand, yeah. would respect and hear on. It could also still be somebody else. Even uh, a CMO from your, if you are selling to marketers, let's say, then a CMO from a different organization could your yeah. own organization telling about how we did it would also work. So yeah. yeah, it could be an internal person as well that you could end up using as an influencer. All right. Well, I think it's probably just the key is, as you say, is to just think about what the right content is. And if we can do that, personify it with an influencer that's going to carry some weight um, and give it that sort of uh, that credibility because of its 
someone's used it, uh, then that, that's that's the key. Um, so I'm going to my penultimate question before I ask you our house question, but maybe this takes us in the nice direction. I'm fascinated to know has influencer marketing ever gone catastrophically wrong for you and if so what could we learn from that that we shouldn't shouldn't do have there been any particular oh my god i can't believe that they've just done that moments not really like not really like i've not on my own scene like yeah. my team examples of like oh my god why that have happened but <laughs> i can tell you like there are a lot of uh, things that can go wrong so it's it needs to be like somebody we need to be obsessive about quality like i am yeah. 100% about like when you're engaging with somebody the most important thing is look for people who are who who know what quality is right yep. because at the end you are giving your own brand to them and mm-hmm. then letting them run with it so to give that trust away you need to know that you are putting your brand in the right hands and that's the most important thing that's where i think it's important for a clear vetting of influencers and understanding are they you know have they got fake followers that mm-hmm. that's a that's a no no because sometimes even the industry people know about it like you know uh, so that's one of the things is vetting influencers and vetting your content and checking that before everything goes live is quite critical because i've seen when campaigns go with wrong links i has i've seen even paid search ads running with wrong links so a clear testing process just like yeah. any other industry would be important well, it sounds like your process to uh, to avoid any problems. I was I was secretly hoping for something outrageous that somebody did, and you had this PR disaster to deal with. But you know, probably if you put the steps in place, that you can avoid that. I mean, this has been fantastic talking about uh, influencer marketing. I've actually I think it's opened my eyes quite a bit to both the application of it, but also sort of the process that one needs to go through. But before I let you go, um, I do need to ask you our house question. Um, which is, and this could be a piece of influence marketing or it could be any form of marketing, but when was the last time that you saw an advert, a piece of creative, um, thought leadership piece, whatever it might be, that made you feel it in your guts, that moved you on a deep emotional level? Yeah, I think I would, I mean, the B2B, B2C brands are much more, uh, you know, they take many more risks than, you know, B2B marketers, but I would stick away from B2C. I have a lot many examples in B2C, which I will not refer to. Mm-hmm. So let's focus on B2B uh, for the purpose of the podcast. And I think I'll, I'll talk about a recent one rather than a one in the past. So very recently, probably in last one to two months, I've seen a campaign from a brand called Keltura. They do webinars. And I actually messaged them because I love their content so much that I messaged some of their, like one of their team members on LinkedIn, even though I was not even connected to them saying, how amazing is your content? So, and I'll, I'll walk you through what they've done. They've basically taken like you, I have been saying this to my team for like two years. Uh, it's sometimes I've heard it from people as well. Webinars are, might die, you know, don't get engagement. It's very hard to run, but then webinars are here to stay as well. We know that, right? Mm. Like it's one of our B2B marketing strategy. People are working from home. It's easier to scale. We can engage with an audience, which is global. They've taken all the problems that the marketers have in webinars and created a comic sketch on it with like a comedian. It's amazing. And the other thing is not just the content. They've created bite-sized content from the same piece. And then used channels, even Instagram. So I was targeted by them on Instagram. And so they clearly know their audience and they've clearly done their homework mm. to target me on the right platform. So I think that's that's what I really loved about that campaign. So, you know, the message, the execution, the thought behind how the content would slice down 
to then be able to serve them on the right platforms. So yeah, uh, that's I think what I think in past I've seen brands like Grammarly, Slack, Monday.com yeah. use video um, in a very powerful way. So I think the other message I want to give is video is here to stay, whether influencer marketing or social or any other. Like we have literally moved on to our learning to videos, right? Like even in yeah. universities, the education is happening through videos. So if brands are not using that powerful media of engaging with their customers, they're probably losing customers. Absolutely. And, you know, fundamentally, which almost ties it back to what we were talking about, it's good quality content. You know, content is king and whatever other sort of overly sort of used expressions. It really does apply. And I think that's one of the big learnings which I've had you know, from this conversation. If we are to talk around influencer marketing, it is making sure that it is good quality content. Now, it's making sure it's good quality content because that's what your audience are going to engage with. But also it needs to be good quality content if you want influencers to work with you. And I think this idea of working with you is important. There has to be that co-creative element. You've got to respect those boundaries. You can't try it and be overbearing and over controlling if you want to get a good output. Um, so Archana, I mean, it's, as I said, it's been really, really good conversation. I've been fascinated to hear about it. I'm going to check out your own influencer marketing. Uh, and also I'm looking forward to exploring influencer marketing at the bottom of the funnel. So Archana, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you, Benedict. It was a pleasure talking to you as well. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.